And welcome back to Fully Equipped. Jay Wall, Gene, RB, the usual cast of crazy characters are back. Sans, Chris, but again, I feel like that's a weekly thing for us. Eventually, we're going to get Chris back, but it's still just the three of us. A lot to talk about this week. But before we do that, as usual, boys, how are we doing? We should let people know that we haven't like sent Chris to an island. Like we just we should kick that <laughs> off the top. Like we want, we we're excited to have him back when he comes back. Um, so that's just yeah, we'll, we'll get that out there. He has not been exiled, um, but everything's good. Everything's good here. It's been a it's been a pretty busy week. You know, we got a lot to talk about, and there's some gear releases we're going to touch on too. Oh yeah, I uh, I I want to talk about something serious, and that's God. the uh, curse that. RB put on me in the state of California because (laughs) listeners of the pod will remember back in December when the polar vortex was hitting Canada, I was daily goofing on him, sending him pictures off of my deck of the Sunshine Bay in San Diego. And basically since then, it hasn't stopped raining here in California. So on, on behalf of me and the state of California, RB, I'm sorry. I give up. Can you please just stop making it raining? We don't want any more rain. We just can't handle it. If I could do it, I would. <laughs> I just need some sun. I know some of the outdoor ranges are starting to open up around here now that we've, we've hit the uh, the plus uh, plus temperatures for a little bit, so I'm excited to It's above zero, so everybody gets out in their shorts and starts whacking golf balls. Immediately, right? Like Canadians, that. Gotta you know, love that. them. It's it like, like, what's the thing? Like, you know, 30 degrees in Wisconsin in May and everyone's running around in shorts and t-shirts. It's kind of the same thing here. Well, we're, we're bundled up like the Arctic and it's 64, but it is just so wet here. It just won't stop raining. It's been a sick. Nobody feels sorry for you. It's, it's sunny and 70, like 99% of the time. So if you're going to get a little bit of rain for a month or so. I don't Two months, three months. Come on. Give me a little love. All right. Whatever. Well, as RB mentioned, a lot to get into this week on the pod. Normally, I, I try and keep us on the rails and, and choose the topics. I've got a couple of topics, but this week, I'm going to let you pick. Do we want to start off with, with Rory and the new putter, or do we want to get right back into the USGA and the RNA's proposed model of rural golf ball? Let's talk about that putter because that was a hot topic. I mean, that was that was going around. Yeah. Everyone was speculating like whatever the heck he was going to change. And we did. I mean, we did. You were there. You're you're in Austin this week. You're not not too too far from your your homeland there, uh, down in the great state of Texas. So like, I mean, it looked really good. <laughs> it was a nice looking putter. Yeah. It. So, RB was the first one to shoot me a text. And who who was the Instagram account that you would? There was an Instagram account that was trying the to Country Club Collection. Stoke. So credit to them. Club Collection. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, they they had mentioned that there was a there was a potential change that was going to rock the golf world, and that Rory was gonna gonna have something new in the bag pre Masters. And if you look at the calendar, you know he's not in the field for for Valero next week in San Antonio. So this is his final start before the Masters. What could it be? What could it be? Everybody was speculating, you know, is it a shorter driver shaft? Is it, you know, a new driver? Is it like, what is it? And, you know, so as already mentioned, I'm, I'm about three hours and change from Austin up here in Dallas. So 
I made the drive down, had a feeling that Rory wouldn't show up until Tuesday, which was the case. And it was misting rain and we're, we're all standing there on the range, a couple of us. And just all the speculation of like, what is it? What have you heard? And there were, there were rumblings and maybe it was a golf ball, which would have been a very interesting change. And the general consensus was, it was, it was going to be the putter. And, um, it just so happened that that morning before Rory got there, it was misting. It was really overcast and foggy and, and you're just kind of sitting there going like, come on, Rory, just get here. And you see the, the Scotty Cameron rep walk onto the range with about six different putters and you're like, Oh, there we go. And that, that pretty much just confirmed what was going on. So for those that haven't heard, Rory is using a Scotty Cameron putter this week at the Dell technologies match play. It's a Newport style GSS. The the GSS without getting too technical is stands for German stainless steel. It's a really pricey material that, Cameron's used on a lot of putters for some pretty high profile names over the years. Um, and Rory, you know, this, for whatever reason, you know, this is the funny thing about Rory guys. He's, he was initially a, a titleist staffer when he turned pro and he won his first two majors as a title staffer. He had a Cameron putter in the bag. He signs that mega deal with Nike and he used a Nike putter. He signed with TaylorMade. He used the TaylorMade putter with the exception. And I should point out when, when Nike left the hard goods industry, he used that cam, the Scotty Heron mallet when he won the 2016 tour championship. And he used a 009 M when uh, he went to the Olympics in 2021. But for whatever reason, when any, anytime Rory gets a Scotty Cameron putter back in the bag, everybody's like, he's going to win. He's, he's going to win it all. He's going to win a green jacket. And that was the general consensus when we confirmed that he was using this putter. It was that Rory's going, what do, I mean, what is it? What is it about Rory and, and Scotty Cameron putters that just gets the masses going? I think it's the tiger. I mean, it's the tiger effect, right? If it wasn't for tiger, I, you know, wh wh where is Scotty Cameron today? It's good. I think it's, it's a, it's a, it's a general good question to ask. Like it's a reasonable question to ask um, because Tiger didn't really pull the, or move the needle when it came to like a lot of equipment sales in general. I think the the data proves that, but for some reason, like he was like that putter and, and it's, it's, I think it's because it's like the one thing that a lot of golfers don't necessarily get paid for. They get tee up money for, but like there's no big contracts getting signed for these putters that it's like a decision. It's a choice. And I think that choice is what resonates with a lot of golfers, especially when they have something that's, that's unique in the bag or something that is very custom. And it's a, in a weird way, it's, it's an aspirational piece of, of golf equipment. And I think that's one of the big reasons why people like it. Um, I don't know, Gene, what do you think? No, I, I agree completely. It's, um, it's attainable. Whereas, you know, a six degree lofted driver with a double X shaft or, you know, blade irons are not attainable for the average player. You can, you know, theoretically go out and, Putt just as well as Rory, you know, with that implement, and it's it's one of the few. You might be able to putt I, better I, than Rory, I, based on the way he's been putting recently. <laughs> fair, fair point. But you know, it, it, as I've said, you know, in the past, the reason that we look at the pros is aspirational. But what makes golf unique is, you know, 
all three of us can hit a shot from a hundred yards and be just as good as a tour player for one shot, or we can roll a putt in from 40 feet and be just as good as a tour player. So um, there are moments where um, aspirational reach reaches attainable. And I think putting is, is one of those. So I think that's why there's so much intrigue, um, you know, and, and less so, when it comes to, you know, longer clubs, because, you know, you're not even in the same zip code as far as performance is concerned. Roger, I mean, Roger Cleveland talked about that with wedges as well, right? Like you don't need to be, you don't need, you can't, not a lot of golfers going to ever have the capability to hit a golf ball 285 yards, but anyone has the the opportunity to play a solid sand shot or a solid wedge shot. And I think that's where, you know, putting and wedges is such an important thing for amateurs to look at. Although it's, as Gene said last week, it's the vegetables versus the chocolate cake of distance. But I think that that's why a lot of golfers do appreciate that, that golf club, because it is something that they can use and they can use effectively the same way as, as a, as a professional, although probably not as effectively, let's be honest. Yeah. No, I think that, I think you're probably exactly right. Plus, you know, Cameron has, has been, I would agree with you, RB Tiger certainly put Scotty on the map with his win in 97 at the Masters with with the Cameron, the Torellium putter. And from that point forward, they have a cult following. I mean, guys that just live and die by Cameron putters. Anytime they come out and you do head covers. And there's some other other putter companies out there that have similar rabid followings. But, But Cameron, I feel like of all of them, has the biggest following. So I would I would agree. I think, you know, Rory changing it up. I don't know. I, I feel like it's because he's a tailor-made staffer and he's using something from the past. I feel like there's just like that group of gearheads out there that just want to see some chaos. So seeing Rory put a non-tailor-made club in the bag just like gets him going. It's kind of similar to, to early in the year when he put Vokey Wedges back in the bag. Now, it was interesting, though, speaking of Vokey Wedges, he, he had sort of 58-degree Vokey in the bag, but I noticed that he put in a, a milled grind three for the 54 degrees so then it makes you wonder like addition by subtraction if, if he's adding a cameron putter does he have to remove it another like non-tailor-made product from the bag to stay under contract which would make you wonder you know what's what's his deal is it is it 11 or 12 clubs you know normally guys get a little bit of wiggle room there but you know rory's probably got to keep the driver in the bag and you know he's not changing irons before the masters so like, what are you going to remove and, and stay under contract? So, anyway, Rory does go. To he had the five wood too, though. Didn't he change five wood? Because he, yeah, you know, did you see that? Because I remember you, you were talking about did, did he had other clubs. The, the was there made, else? Yeah, the tailor-made reps told me that it was a new five wood, but he's had that stealth two plus five wood in the bag, and it honestly, I, I'll I'll be I'll be real with everybody. It was a chaos. We were following Rory on the course. And going between holes, it was like, hey, here's your chance to shoot the putter as you're walking. Um, and not only that, but you're walking across a uh, street. So there's concrete and you're terrified that you you know, <laughs> might drop the gear. And yeah, just it, it wasn't a really great opportunity to ask questions about like, well, why? You know, why? What, what makes this new five wood? But that's what they had said. It was a new five. But it, it may have just been a fresh head for the week because it looked like it hadn't been hit a whole lot. Um, but I guess the big change for Rory with the putter is he goes from a mallet that's Spider-X Hydroblast back to an answer style blade. 
And, you know, we've had discussions on this podcast before about the benefits of a mallet versus a blade. Um, I even point this out to a lot of people who get really excited about Rory going back to a Cameron blade. You know, back in 21 at the Olympics, when he used that Scotty Cameron 009M blade, and he used it even after the Olympics for a little bit before eventually going back to the spider. And there was a really good quote that I found that he had to say about, you know, why he went back to a mallet putter after using the blade. And he said, I think the thing with the blade is the good days are really good, but the bad days are pretty bad as well. There's quite a lot of inconsistency in it for me. It's almost like I need to practice with the blade at home because you have to get your stroke spot on to hit good putts with that style of putter. But then when I come out here, I started hitting putts with the spider again and it felt so easy. Felt like I could not, uh, could not start it online. It was sort of, there's a lesson in there somewhere about maybe just keeping the blade at home and practicing with it and then coming out here and putting with something that's got a little more technology in it. Like that's, that's a pretty interesting quote from Rory just admitting, look, like D- Dustin Johnson used to be the same way. You know, he, he was having success when he switched to a spider years ago, but for whatever reason, he would always have a blade with him during the practice days and he'd be rolling putts with it and you'd go, hmm, maybe DJ's going to go back to the blade and he'd stick with the spider. But it was like, he was trying to will himself. So, you know, it, I feel like it's one of those things where you see a, a, a you know, good looking shirt or, a, you know, a pair of shoes that you really like, but they really aren't your style, and you, but you just really like it and you want to try and make it work. I feel like it's the same sort of thing. Like, is this Rory really thinking that this Cameron blade is going to give him the best shot to win at Augusta? Because that's really all that matters to him now. It's the only major he has to win to complete the career grand slam. He desperately wants to have that green jacket and, and to, be able to go to the champion's dinner. I, I think he wants it really bad. And that's why he's making this change is because his putting has been so bad this year and the rest of his game has been so good. But you read a quote like that from 21 and you go, all right. I mean, you admitted that the good days are really good, but the bad days are really bad with a blade. But now you're, you're going back to a blade. I, is he just trying to force it? I, you know, that was my first, that was my first thought was like, what is he trying to do? He's already admitted that a blade's the better option or sorry, a mouth's a better option. I, I think it's, I do think it's mental. I think like, you know, either, I, I mean, too. I prefer, I have a lot of blade putters, but I, I used them out almost exclusively last year. Um, but I still like using the blade. And I know Gene has talked about it. We talked about it in the past as well as like when you under like, the right conditions like launch conditions with a putter you're you're going to generate good roll and i think at that point it, it comes down to the six inches between your ears or maybe seven and a half inches between your ears depending on how big your head is <laughs> um but all of that comes down to being able to like you know feel like you're going to hit it on the line and make a confident stroke because it's one thing to try and hit a drive so far hit an iron and like carve it into a certain way but in reality when you think of the the physics of hitting a putt there's only two things that you have to do. You have to hit a straight putt that's rolling with a good roll and you have to hit the right line and speed and line and speed is dictated by something that you see and your alignment and everything else comes down to the, the stroke that you put on it. Right. I, that's why I said like you can practice reading greens, but to like sit there and try and like hit a certain putt all the time or think that you're doing this, like all you have to do is hit it straight gravity and, and friction, take care of the rest. And I think for him, if he likes looking at that, it's going to be the best option. I, I would, I would make the argument that, uh, you know, a lot of these, 
the tour players, um, they operate on feel, but they could learn from data in that, you know, and um, we, we showed that with um, Zalatoris, you know, missing, they don't realize sometimes that they can miss up to a half an inch and a half an inch on a blade. Usually there's no gear effect. And so the deviation pattern on the toe is to the right and on the heel is to the left. Whereas with a the mallet, there is gear effect and it comes back. And I think they learn this intuitively, but um, if they had this as a data source, and then they could look at their misses and see, you know, what their tendencies were and what the performance characteristics of the of the putter were. I think that could aid them in, um, you know, at least selecting the implement that, you know, everything in everything in golf is about your miss, right? It's it's about under pressure what um, what how you miss and how to minimize the effects of that miss. And I do think that in putting, there's probably a little, and I wouldn't have believed this before I started testing putters because I was kind of agnostic towards it, but seeing the difference between gear effect on mallet putters and kind of a spray pattern on um, blade putters, it made me realize there are, and then you've also got differences as far as loft. And I, I agree, and RB, I used to say the exact same thing that you did. Putting is the most simple thing. It's velocity and direction. But in regard to misses, it does become a little bit more complicated. And I think most, even tour players, think that they're delivering that club head exactly the same. But under pressure, I think that sometimes they have slight misses and they don't factor in what that miss is doing as far as the putt. They're seeing the end result, but not realizing what the cause is that, that results in the effect. Very true. Yeah, I think um, you know, there's just there's just a lot going on with with his with his putting in general. And to your point, Jonathan, I think that one of the most interesting elements of this is like putter goes in, wedge comes out. And it's like obviously there's some type of contract there. And you know, not to again, people don't like me saying this, I'm sure, but like how long is this gonna be a thing? Like if this is like where he's struggling, like he sees Scotty Scheffler, who is under contract with Taylor made. But he's he's uh, he's got more options and more clubs in his bag than other other players that are using that. So like he's a he's a primetime player. So what what is that something where he's going to renegotiate again, or is it just you know what does this look like going forward? To me, is, is the biggest thing because I think Justin Rose said it as well. Like going back, and I, I might have said this before already, but like he said that when he went to free agency it was almost like too much, right? Like everybody, like I know how much I judge, like I got freaking golf clubs everywhere here. I know how much I think about like this, I can go hit this on a, on a quad and it performs really great. And then I can go hit this on a quad and it performs really great. It's like, does it really matter? Well, one looks better to my eye one day, one looks better to my eye the other day. And then you're out on the course and you're just second guessing all the time. And it's like, if you're under contact with one company, you kind of know like you're going to use one of these three drivers, right? So yeah. I think there is that, that rigidity, which I think helps some people. Whereas other golfers, they, they want that, that entire freedom of, of choice. So that to me is going to be the most interesting thing going forward. But, uh, you know, before we get to the next topic, speaking of choices, how can I not talk about golf pride, which is a proud sponsor of the fully equipped podcast and their, their entire selection of grips. So when you got to remember, you know, you can regardless of what club you use, and that's what we're talking about right now, 
the golf club is the only connection that you have between you and your golf club. So whether you're switching drivers or not, if you keep that grip the same, it's going to feel the same every single time. And that's really important. And it's that time of year where regripping, you're going to start regripping your golf clubs. If you, you take them out of your garage, you're like, yeah, I should probably tune these up for the season. New grips have proven to increase distance as well as offer something that is more comfortable because when you're out there, it is that only connection. You want it to feel comfortable in your hands. And there are a lot of options because you know comfort to you might not be the same comfort to somebody else. So you've got grips like the MCC and the Z grip, which offer corded technology, which offer extra traction in all types of weather conditions. They're also the, the firmest option that they have. Then you have the on the other end of the spectrum, you have the CPX and the CP2, which are some of the, the, the softest performance grips that uh, Golf Pride has ever developed. Especially when it comes to the CPX, you've got a grip that uses this very soft material as well as this pattern similar to your old BMX bikes where there's, there's less contact with your hands, which reduces pressure, reduces grip pressure, allows you to swing more comfortably. And when you happen to miss it a shot, which no one, no one really misses shots anyways. Uh, but if you do happen to miss it a shot, um, you're going to get less of that bad feedback into your hands, which is always helpful when you're looking for something that is comfortable and you're making your way around the golf, whether it be early in the season or not. Now, you can go to golfride.com. That's G-O-L-F-P-R-I-D-E.com. We've got a smart audience. You guys know how to spell anyways. But if you go there and you're looking at grips, you can use code fully equipped to get free shipping on your next order. That's available for all orders within the United States. And there is no minimum purchase required. So whether you're stocking up on a whole bunch of CPX grips or anything else, or you want to kind of pick and choose and, and see which one is right for you before you uh, make your next choice and re-grip your entire set. You can use that code fully equipped. That's F U L L Y E Q U I P P E D at golfpride.com for free shipping on your next order. There we go. There we go. Get the get the same grips that I play. Get the tour velvet. I like the core grip. I'm boring. I love a I'm, good core grip. I'm so grip. boring. Give me the rough core grip. I don't care. Let them tear up my hands. They don't, uh, but they could. <laughs> Couple couple things that I did want to point out before we go on to the next topic about Rory's putter, which was, uh, and I guess the, these are ones more for for RB. I just want to get your take on this. So Rory went up in head weight. He went from three hundred forty grams with the previous camera that he used to three hundred fifty grams. Um, for or I guess before I go into the what what else changed? What do you what do you make of that? I mean, he's he's going to be going to Augusta. Greens are firm and fast. He's increasing the head weight. I heard him talking to the Cameron rep during his practice round, and he said that the, the overall weight felt really good in his hands. So some must be something about the heavier weight. But what do you make about Rory adding 10 grams to the blade? I can't, it just comes down to feel, right? It's hard to speculate what someone else thinks about their their own putter. And, I mean, I've got, uh, I've got a, a special select that I really like. Um, and the thing that I like about it, is and this is like a sneaky little trick out there for all you golf club nerds which i know you're tuning in right now um you can order a putter at a certain length and you can get the heavier weight so you can get the lighter weights right and in some cases there is an upcharge for titles isn't really excited that i'm telling this <laughs> but what you can do instead is you just buy the 33 inch putter and extend it two inches i don't like extensions in golf clubs at all i know i've mentioned that many many times especially when it comes to graphite and drivers and fairy woods but I'm okay with a, with an extension and a putter. Um, and I ordered the 33-inch, extended it two inches to my standard 35, and I got the really heavy weight. Now, yes, it's slightly counterbalanced because there's an extension in there, and I use a slightly heavier grip. But in general, it's just a feel thing that I prefer um, in that style. Now, I have you know, Napa, not Napa, but like a Wilson 8802. It's mega light, and I like practicing with that because I can feel the misses a little more. So I think for him, 
when you go from that blade to that, that other style, I think it's just a matter of getting the mass right where you feel like you're, you're able to really release the golf club. And, you know, we're going to talk about Zexion a little bit. Uh, you know, they use lighter golf clubs to help golfers release the golf club. Maybe for him going from a blade to a mallet, that extra heavy weight just helps, helps him find his release pattern better. The other, the other one is, is certainly more personal preference. And I would say the weight is too, but Rory went from a long line on the back flange to a short line on the top line. I've never seen him use a short line on the top line with a blade. Just FYI on that. And this one, this one fascinates me because Rory has now also gone back to using the the line on the golf ball to to get himself set up. So I and I've heard golfers talk about this. If you have if you use the line on your golf ball and it and that short line on the top line, it sort of like allows them to just flow together and you're able to it helps line you up a little bit better. And that that to me I was like, God, oh, that makes a lot of sense. And so I I just wonder if Rory's, you know, he seems to be relying more on on lines to get him set up in the right in the right position. So, um, yeah, I thought that was an interesting one as well. Just makes my head hurt. I hate any alignment. Yeah, on it makes it it makes, it makes my, my head, head hurt too. <laughs> trying I mean, to, I, trying I do to get too. To, trying to get down there and square that, and and I mean the problem with it is your degree of accuracy has to be so good. And, and it's like, I don't know. I don't know. And and then what do you trust? Do you trust the line that you set up or do you trust what you're seeing visually? So you, you now have, you know, potentially two conflicting pieces of information that you're dealing with, which just sounds like it would make me nuts if I was doing it for a paycheck. But that's just me. Yeah. Jason day went back and forth. I remember him. I remember uh, Jason telling me that he would go between the line, and when he started to rely too much on it, he would go back to no line, and that sort of freed his mind up. So golfers are. I mean, even the guys at the top, the top end of the food chain, are all just absolute nutcases, just like us. <laughs> so they go back and forth. They struggle trying to figure it out. Erase the uh, the whiteboard see if they can find something else that works. But yeah, those two changes, I feel like were the most interesting, the the additional weight and the, the new alignment line. So we'll see if it works for Rory. Last question before we go on the next topic that I want to, I want to get an answer from y'all on. Do we see this putter at Augusta in two weeks? And is Rory slipping on the green jacket on Sunday with this putter in the bag? God, I hope so. I'll end my comment there. <laughs> I think I think it would be great for the game, but uh, you know, ultimately it's up to Rory. And you know, does this does this change work or not? I mean, when it comes to putting, like I said, there 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 are some technical aspects to it. But at the end of the day, when you're not putting well, you're just not putting well, you know. And you've got to shape that whatever that voodoo is that you got, you know. And can he do it? And everybody goes through it. And everybody struggles with it. So. You know, I don't know. Have to, time will tell. Searching for the magic bullet. All right. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm actually kind of glad we started with the Rory Putter talk because I was a little bit nervous to jump back in to the golf ball rollback discussion after last week. 
I was hoping that that Gene and RB would remain friends after going toe to toe, throwing some some verbal haymakers during during their discussion. But we're all back on the pod this week, so I feel like we're we're still friendly with each other. It. So we talked last week about all the pros who are who are wholly against this rollback, and it's it is pretty much everybody. Even this week in Austin, when I was there, John Rom gave a a pretty spirited answer when asked about the, the rollback and said, "Look, you can do a lot of things with golf course. Just don't. You know, golf's in a great place. Don't change the equipment." And it feels like what we've been hearing from a lot of pros. And and sticking with with Mr. McElroy, Rory spoke to no laying up. And you know, when Rory speaks, I feel like. The golfing public listens, but I, I do think that his peers also heavily weight what he says as well. And Rory is going to be, be the at least for right now, he's going to be the the contrarian view to the the benefits of a rollback. And and he said, I know that it's a really unpopular opinion, but I think that going to this proposed model local rule golf ball is going to help identify who the best players are a bit easier. Um, and he said he was happy to see that they weren't making any changes for the recreational golfers. But here's the interesting thing, guys. It's not so much that Rory is, is agreeing with the governing bodies. It's that he said to no laying up that if they put this ball out there, if they made this model local rule ball, that he would consider playing it all season long. Because if they're going to have it for the majors, then he wants to make sure that he's completely dialed with this golf ball. He doesn't want to have to to make adjustments just for the major championships. I mean, is that crazy that a guy who who's, I mean, his driver is one of the the clubs that really gives him an edge over his peers that he's considering giving up potentially, you know, 14, 15 yards off the tee. Yes. I don't think it's <laughs> <laughs> here we go. <laughs> I I will defer to you. <laughs> I don't I don't think it's like super crazy. I mean, he's he yes, he's the only person to come out like like really I don't want to say he's like a he obviously he's like a top player and very recognizable. But um, you know, Matt Fitzpatrick came out and said it a couple of weeks ago. He's like, or whenever whenever it was announced, he was just like, Yeah, sure, whatever. Like, I'll get a new golf ball and I'll adjust, right? And it's like I think the people that are the the most rational <laughs> or at least <laughs> or, there's gene sorry gene uh, the, the people sorry, that are most ahead. understanding of the reason behind it or the reasoning behind it are just like look and and also too which i think and i it was mentioned on twitter by i do not remember the person who said it and i apologize uh, but it's like it shows a lot of confidence in their skills you're like yeah just give me the new equipment and i'm gonna beat everyone's ass anyways like it doesn't matter right like if, if if they change the basketball up, is Jordan less skilled or is LeBron different? Like, no, it doesn't matter, right? So like he's confident in his skill. And so I think that's where the PJ Tour sits in this weird thing where, you know, the PJ Tour is a tour player run organization and all that. Everyone's always, you know, we've heard that a bunch before now. But if the majors and those are the things that people want to play in, as soon as Augusta National and King Fred comes down there and says, Chairman Fred, you know, be polite, uh, comes down there and says like, you know, we, we agree with the USGA. We, we defer to them and leaves the PGA out and the PGA the tour, which are not the same thing, everybody. Um, 
So now it's like, okay, well, what happens to the rest of it? Right. And I think that's just, I, I do. I just think that's where it's going to go. Do I think there's the opportunity for, you know, regular players to still play that ball at some point? Of course there is. Um, but I, you know, in, in many ways, I agree with him. In fact, he said, like, just leave amateurs alone. I just think you should move up a tee deck, which is fine. You know, uh, golf, as, as I recently found out on Instagram last night uh, in my direct messages, which was more flooded, it was a, it was just a firestorm. Um, people are so, like, against moving up a tee deck when it comes to regular golfers. You know, just give them, give them the long golf ball and have them lose them in the weeds anyways. I don't care. Um, but I think as far as Rory's concerned, I agree with him completely. And I think, you know, you know, you can say you're going to do a lot of things, which is fine. Um, but I think at some point they're just going to change it for every every uh, event, including the PGA Tour. Well, you know, the, the interesting thing, and I've thought about it since our last pod, is, and I do stand by the statement, and I, I, I don't know if it's been completely thought out. And that's, you know, to your point, if that happens, it's that a little bit pregnant. Because, okay, so you change it for the tour and you change it for, say, you know, the major championships that the USGA and the RNA host, then what did the elite golfers that are aspiring to go on the tour start playing? And you've got to start. And then where do you start that? You know, do you start that at 19? Do you start that in college? Do well, you the start AJGA, in- and not to interrupt Eugene, but the AJGA, which is the American Junior Golf Association, which is the top level of junior golf, they've already said that if a model local rule ball was, was adopted, that they would consider using it for their tournaments as well, because as as you said, like where where do you start? And I think I think that's where you know they talked about for elite competitions, quote end quote, and they left it open ended. I think that's because elite competitions could mean all the way down to the top level of junior golf. I mean, if if they're going to use it at the the U.S. Junior Am, I think. I think you're going to have to start seeing those those kids that are in their you know 13, 14, 15 years old using this golf ball because they're going to be using it in, potentially in college at tournaments if they turn pro. So yeah, I, I do. I think I think it's going to just have a trickle down effect in, until it's all the way down into the junior golf ranks. Well, and then you go to country clubs. You know, do do, do their tournaments adopt it or not? You know, and you got guys that are plus twos, plus threes, and it's like, well, they're elite players. They should. And you just, I don't know. To me personally, yeah, there's a lot of gray area. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't. I think the devil truly is in the details in this one, and I don't know how you could possibly, um, how you could possibly, you know. Uh, govern that effectively without it, you know, being one way or the other. But, you know, a little bit pregnant seems really, really complicated to me. And that's that's where I think from the tour down, there's that pyramid of influence. And yes, we see it with equipment. We see it with all kinds of things, right? And that is where I do believe that there will be this slow change. And at some point, it's probably just going to roll over. And um, yeah, not to like go completely back into it, but to your exactly roll your over point, meaning what? Like everyone's just going to be like, okay, well, we'll use the pro ball because it's the same with like, you see, you know, everyone, we, you post pictures of John Rahm's Fairywood, right? And yes, we're talking to gear sickos and yes, gear sickos listen to this anyways. But <laughs> the whole thing is the fact that um, people are like, oh man, they get 
digital access to all the stuff. I wish I had it. Right. And if you gave them access, they would buy it anyways, even if they couldn't hit it. <laughs> like that's fine. We hear enough of that. Right. So people and people, and this is like the same thing that happened with, you know, when I was talking to using Instagram last night <laughs> was people like, I want to play the back tees. It's like, you carry the golf ball 200 yards. You do not need to be playing the back tees on a 6,900 yard golf course. And not only that, Pros don't even play 6,900 yards. They play at like 7,600 yards. So like, it's not the same game already anyways. So like to be able to, again, to bifurcate and give golfers the biggest advantage possible, because if you look over in Asia and I talk to people at the PGA show, there's, there were guys at the company that sells non-conforming wedges. And they're like, we sell like 70% of our non-conforming wedges over in Asia because golfers don't care. And they just want to spin the golf ball and they want to have fun. They don't care. They literally mm-hmm. don't care. They have golf balls over there that go farther. They have driver faces that are illegal. Like it's all over there and golfers don't care. Cause like, you know, we just want every advantage possible for some reason. It's very much a North American thing. And I think it's maybe more of a European thing, That's but, I can interesting. Speak, but I can only speak to North America where it's like, I need to be like this. I need to be like this. There's this huge ego associated with it. And it's like, I play golf with my, I'm getting into like all the comments that I got yesterday, but like I play golf with my wife like fairly often. And I just play from the same tee she's playing from. And you know what? I'll enter it in my handicap and I'll put like, I'll put show that I played from the forward tees. Like it, there's no ego associated with like, I just do like, it's just the game is there to be enjoyed any way you want. But do I think that every golfer who like thinks they need to go to the back tees should do it? You know what? Look, as long as you keep up the pace of play and you're not, and you want to lose 17 golf balls, by all means, I don't care. You're not even keeping score anyway. You don't, you don't count the lost golf balls and you still shot 95. Like what's the point? Like to let people enjoy the game they want to play. If you want to play the other ball or the new, the tour ball, it's fine either way. I actually don't care what your decision is, but I think from the professional level, let them do that. And I think, again, I think to Rory's point, um, he sees the, the the bigger general reason for this, right? Because it does bring in greater skill sets with like longer clubs. And Rom said something similar. He's like, well, I hit an eight iron and someone else hits a seven iron or six iron or whatever. Uh, but you still have the advantage. And the highly skilled golfers who are not like blowhards are like, you know what? I'm still a really good golfer. And if you give two pieces of equipment to like the same golfer or from different companies or whatever, I'm still going to kick that guy's ass. <laughs> I think whatever. <laughs> Yeah, and, and the the problem the problem with my counter to your arguments is two things. One, from the amateur level, gambling. You know, yeah, you don't care when you're you know playing with your wife, but if you and I are playing for twenty bucks and I'm playing a ball that's twenty yards longer than you, you're probably going to start all of a sudden going, "Wait a minute, we're not playing the same game here." So you know, there's there's that, and you know, it was interesting about Rory's comments. Yeah, he's interested in seeing what a long iron, you know, player does. Most of the rest of the guys aren't interested. And guess who really isn't interested, I think, is the PGA. They're not interested in, you know, two under winning the tournament. And a lot of guys posting, you know, uh, high scores. And because high scores equal people turning off the television or tuning into something else. So, I mean, that's... That's my counter to it is the things that intrigue him as an individual, I think, take away from the overall quality of the product. I have no counter. I received no to you, my counter. your honor. Wow. All right. <laughs> do you, well, do you think that Rory's comments, the, the fact that he's on board with, with the potential golf ball rollback, do you think that, makes any of his peers say, all right, well, if Rory's on board, then I'm on board. Or do you think everybody holds their ground and says, hell no, 
we're, we're not going to accept this golf ball on the PGA Tour. I think it's going to change minds. I think it will, for sure. I don't. I think I got a pizza dinner with a lot of booze coming to me in January 2026. I'm just going out there on that one. I cannot wait for that pizza dinner. All right. <laughs> oh, it's going to be it's going to be a fully equipped pizza dinner, trust me. <laughs> Who's going to be footing the bill? That's that's all I care about. All right. So we've been talking about the rollback last week's episode even even of course with Rory's comments from from the tour pro perspective because you know at the end of the day what the USGA is trying to do is they're trying to roll the golf ball back for the elite golfer not for the weekend hack but i i have been wanting to get more insights feedback thoughts from the weekend golfer like what what are they feeling what do they feel about this situation how how is it going to impact them is it, do they not really care do they want to see a rollback so and this was like perfect timing so golf data tech went and talked to what they consider to be their serious golfers and this is as we've talked about before this is like the equipment sickos so this is what they call an opt-in group of passionate avid golfers who play the most and spend the most on golf equipment and they analyzed data they asked this group of about 1,250 respondents, they asked them to fill out what they called their serious golfer database survey. And this was all on the new modified local rule golf ball. What, you know, what they thought about it, were they in support, were they not? And here were some interesting findings. And I just want to, you know, point these out and then get your take on, on some of the percentages. So opinions on the proposed rule 52% of respondents said that they don't like the proposed rule. 23% are in favor of the proposed rule and 13 don't know enough yet to have an opinion. So we're saying that out of that 1,250, basically half don't like the proposed rule. Among those who did not support the modified local rule, 72% indicated that they like knowing that everyone plays by the same rules. And 55% just don't think that it's necessary. They don't think that a modified local rule golf ball is a necessary thing. Among those who support the modified local rule, 85% don't want to see the classic courses, courses made obsolete. 45% of those in support believe technological improvements are ruining the game. And 39% feel tour pros hit the ball too far. I mean, what... Do any of those surprise you as, as I'm reading off these percentages of respondents who, you know, feel strongly one way or the other? I don't think any of that is, is shocking to me. Those who are in support of this golf ball want to do it because they want to see the, the Marions and a lot of these shorter golf courses remain relevant in the professional ranks. Those who don't want to see this golf ball they just want to play by the same rules with the same equipment as the tour pros. And so they just don't view it as a necessary addition to the rules. I mean, to me, it's, it's pretty much straightforward there. Like I said, does any, any of that surprise you? I don't think any of it surprises me. I just think there's like a miss, a misunderstanding of, of what's available when it comes to equipment. Um, like, you know, we post it all the time. You go to the USGA list. Every company has different drivers that you're never going to be able to buy. Just like I mentioned earlier with the fairway woods, right? Like 
there are individual pieces of equipment that tour players will have access to just like Rory's putter. I mean, you could buy something like it, I guess, but you know, you're not going to go into, you're not going to walk into your local golf store and be like, yeah, I really want that double Oh nine masterful putter that was with my stamping on it for you know $500. doesn't happen. Um, so I think there needs to be, there doesn't, I mean, there doesn't need to be, I mean, we're talking to people that already understand this, but the idea of like classic courses, a lot of regular golfers, like my dad couldn't name five classic golf courses. Like he doesn't care. <laughs> he doesn't know. He doesn't care. Like if whatever they hold, where are they holding the US open? Is that a good golf course? Cool. Is it new? Is it old? Doesn't care. <laughs> doesn't matter. Right. And I think most golfers who like watch golf and like participate in the game are don't really care, but the hardcore golfers, and that's where I think that number really exists at like 70 something percent. They don't want to see classic golf courses like be like overblown. Like St. Andrews was driver wedge and like almost everywhere. Is that the way the game was designed to be played? No. Um, the same way power in tennis was not meant to be just serving years ago when they actually had to slow the golf, slow the tennis ball down to like bring artistic nature back to the sport right and give create like this different dynamic of the sport because athletes got to a certain point um so none none of it actually surprises me i just think what we're going to see just like the a lot of different you know everyone kind of when COVID happened and everyone was playing golf uh people like everyone knew the rules and they kind of understood what like why and how you could participate in all those things i think when it comes to this it's just a matter of like kind of just letting people know and, and getting those who are curious and outside of this hardcore golfer group understanding kind of what this really means because it's it's not about now it's still again it's not about now it's about what happens in 10 years because the you know the, if you look back 10 years now like hank Heaney was a freak an absolute freak on tour he is he would be considered normal now when you think of the pga tour right so like the 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 generation before is freak quote unquote is the new normal right we even see it in bait like aaron i didn't realize until like you know kind of towards the end of last year's season aaron judge is such a massive human being (laughs) like the more people that get into golf like that you know what what happens right so but none of the none of the results surprise me you, you know, you know, it's interesting. You, you bring that up. I had a, I had a really interesting moment in 2008 on Tuesday, uh, at Torrey Pines at the U S open, uh, track band invited me to come out and sit on the four T for the practice round. Uh, and just kind of look at the numbers as these guys were going through. And this was kind you know, 2008, launch monitors were just starting to, you know, kind of come into the norm or be used. But I watched about maybe 30 pros that day go through and four or five former U.S. Open champions. And the dividing line at that point was the age of 30. If you were 30 and above, 99%, they just hit the ball and walk off. Right. And, and, and I'm looking at their launch conditions and these are some, you know, guys that I watched have amazing us opens, horrible launch conditions, you know, eight degree launch, 3,200 spin, these kind of, you know, flaring shots and 30, they hit the ball immediately. They turn around and go, what were my numbers? What were my numbers? And I watched this dividing line and I realized I was like, Whoa, there's to your point, Arby. We may not agree on the outcome, but what's going to happen in 10 years versus now? So that now that was 15 years ago. 
So you have now everybody who's looking to optimize their distance or at least understand their distance if they have too much distance, you know, power fade versus high draw, which we talked about in the past. But it's really interesting from my from my perspective, this doesn't have anything to do with the golf ball. This has to do with penalizing elite athletes that have reached the pinnacle of their game and also different uh physiques of athletes you know when uh when i started in the game uh uh, in 1990 this is a a competitor but i'm going to use the reference golf digest had this cover piece that they did a study that the perfect height for a golfer was five foot ten for a champion golfer because if you got too tall your levers were all screwed up and that you couldn't hit the ball efficiently i mean you talk about a piece of pseudoscience that has not held up with time. Um, it, it turns out that taller and and better hand-eye coordination allow you to hit the ball a mile. And I just I think we've seen the evolution of the athlete, and I think that uh, a lot of the athletes that are moving into golf are moving from other sports as well, just simply due to the amount of money that you can make in golf and not get your brains beaten out. You know, in the process, um, combined with tech technology that's maximizing their output um but these are things that really don't have a lot to do with the golf ball but you're penalizing the golf ball because of it and and you can make that argument that golfers have have just become too good for the game but i think that's insulting to every athlete that has worked so hard to reach that point and to to master the game you know and as we've talked about, there's other guys out there that are grinding on tour that are, you know, 20, 30 yards shorter than the Rory's of the world. And they're trying to get every inch that they can out of it. So I just, I, that's what I love about the game. And I think by taking that away, you're taking away a serious, um, a, a serious asset to the game as a whole and the interest at a, as a whole on the elite level. I'm done. All right. Well, we, we've we've spent a lot of air time <laughs> talking about the model of rule golf ball again. I'll take the blame for that. But I do still think it's it's an interesting topic, especially when you have guys like Rory coming out and giving a contrarian view. You have this, you know, golf data tech survey that's that's you know getting feedback from real golfers not just the guys at the elite level to see what they have to say and i'll, I'll leave i'll before we go and, and discuss some new gear which i know is the whole reason why we have this podcast is to talk about new clubs the one percentage in here that i think is 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 a positive the respondents were asked what impact the proposed new rule will have on their personal enjoyment of the game which really at the end of the day is all that really matters and 79 percent of respondents indicated that it would not have any effect on their own enjoyment. Okay, 79% baby. Woo. 79%. It's almost to be, it's all that matters. Golfers are still going to go out and have fun regardless of whether the USGA implements a model of rule golf or not. That's the only reason we play this crazy game is that fun. All right. So there was new gear dropped this week. Callaway adds a full toe shape with the grooves all the way across the face on the Jaws Raw. Had a couple, they had say they had a new J-Grind with a pre-worn leading edge. That's really cool. If you want to check out more on that, go to golf.com. 
Zexio's new high-end prime line drops. But the one I, I want to talk about is, is PXG's new Gen 6 gear. You know, this is this is a line I think a lot of golfers were wondering, you know, what's what's PXG got coming? They didn't drop anything at the beginning of the year with the rest with the rest of the manufacturers. And they just again go by the beat of their own drum and they release their gear in in March. So here you go. PXG's new Gen 6. RBU went to Scottsdale National to get the full rundown. Of all the gear, I mean, again, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds on it. If you if you want the full rundown, golf.com is a place to get it. But what's the one club in the new Gen 6 lineup that has your attention? There's there's two. Um, the first being the, I think what a lot of people ask all the time is like, everyone knows PXG makes great irons. They make great irons since the start. Um the unique thing is they've got the P and the XF series now. So there's no ST or S or T right now um, with the gen five. I think they've transitioned that into that, into that full forge golf club. Now, whether one comes out or not was yet to be seen. Uh, I think there probably will be at some point. Uh, they haven't kind of given us any hints to that. Um, but as far as again, irons are great. They're, they're pretty sweet. Uh, but the, the thing that stands out to me is the XF fairway wood. Because if you look at the two lines now, there's the 0311 and the 0311 XF. They've created much more market and like playability segmentation in them. So if you're a P player in the irons or you're an 0311 in the Ferrywoods hybrids um, uh, driver, then it's going to be a little bit lower. It's going to be lower spin. It's going to be more workable. It's going to be smaller and more compact in those hybrids and Ferrywoods. And the XF is a lot bigger. It's a lot shallower. The XF 3-wood is enormous. Like I am talking huge it is a quarter inch longer heel toe than the standard 0311 and it's also 1.3 inch uh, of an inch deeper front to back still it's extremely shallow and uh you know the shallower a golf club is the lower the center of gravity is below the equator of a golf ball the easier it up easier it is to get in the air and they've really accomplished that thing i looked at that thing when they, they handed it to me and i got to test it on the range and i went this thing is freaking enormous and it's going to help a lot of golfers who suck with their three wood all right like look Let's be frank. Most people suck with their three wood, especially off the deck. And this gives you the opportunity to That's use it. It starts with 16 degrees as well. So you have 16 degrees plus you get the one and a half degrees of adjustability up and down. So you could take this thing all the way up to 17 and a half or down to what, 14 and a half. Yeah. 14 and a half. I'm good. At, look at this. See, good at math here, folks. Um, but the other one that really does stand out are the drivers. Now, this is, I have a theory, okay? PXG does a lot of direct-to-consumer, right? And when you have irons, it's easy to say, like, I hit seven iron versus seven iron further or higher or blah, 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 whatever. Um, because in, in general, iron design is, is I don't want to say it's homogenized, but I want to say that there's less differentiation differentiation if you're looking within the same categories. And it comes down to looks and feel and all that stuff. But with driver, fitting is so important because spin variants on mishits as well as off the center are crucial for maximizing distance. And the problem is when you have a driver that makes spin a little bit more when it's not fit properly is you have people buying direct to consumer online. We see, you know, you can call in and order a golf club or you go to their website and order it. And they're not going to go to a fitter, although they have their retail locations, which you can again, find on their website. 
but someone gets a driver and goes, it doesn't fit me. I'm like, you didn't get it fit for you in the first place. You just kind of guessed what your specs would be. So yes, you're seeing excess spin. Yes, you're seeing these like these things where you're not getting the, the most out of it because you haven't been tuned properly for it. You haven't been fit properly for it, right? With the 0311 versus the previous one, it is 500 RPM less spin off of 100 mile an hour swing speed at zero attack angle. That is a substantial amount. We are talking, they've gone basically from... 3000 RPM to 2,500 RPM on the same golf swing at hundred miles an hour. That is massive. That is more than, what is that? Like 20% reduction in spin off that standard driver. And I think when people talk about how they work, like I loved, I, I've got fit into that thing. I've hit it. I posted numbers when I first got it and I didn't post a picture of the, of the actual driver. I kind of teased and I was like, everyone says this driver's slow, but you know, look at the numbers, look at the spin. It's right there. And I think you're going to see a ton of performance out of this golf club. And with the XF, it is designed to be a draw bias driver. And as we've talked about, draw bias drivers are going to spin a little more, but they, they actually spin less when you deliver them because of that draw ball flight. Um, they've got they've dropped about 200 RPM off of the XF model. So in general, you've got all of this spin reduction in these two models without any lack of or any um, any reduction in MOI or reduction in forgiveness, which I think is a big standout for those golf clubs. And they feel great. I do. I, I do think in general, they do make good golf clubs. They make well-engineered golf clubs. Um, and, you know, compared to other things, I think it's just it's that perception of like, they, they again, let's be honest, the first driver wasn't very good. <laughs> but no, it wasn't. It wasn't good. I'll, I'll totally, totally vouch for that. So. Not good. They figured, they, and, they, and Brad, Brad said this when we were when I got the chance to talk to him. He was like, "Look, we knew the driver spun more because the goal was to help golfers that that don't spin the golf ball enough, which a lot of golfers struggle with. But we realized that for people that slice the golf ball, or people that that want extra distance, they need that spin reduction. And if you didn't get fit, it's harder to find it. So what we did was we built that into this product. And having hit it on a launch monitor, having tested it, um, I'm going to test it again probably later today. This thing goes." And I think it's it's uh, it's a substantial upgrade from Gen Five. Now, if you're fit for Gen Five and you're getting maximum benefit out of it, then you know it's the same forgiveness. It's just a matter of tuning it. But if you if you haven't tried PXG Prox in the past, you've always been worried about that. You don't have to worry about it with Gen Six. No response from Gene. Gene, you tested it, right? Uh, yes, yes. I, I, I. I um I have to keep my business side versus uh my personal side you whatever know, all right I, 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 i'm all walking right. a little bit of, i'm walking a little bit of line but here's here's the bottom line everything rb said is 100 percent true 100 percent true and um uh you know i i will say this about pxg um uh brad schweigert and mike nicolette uh they they have a goal with every product that they design and they almost always reach that goal they're they're two of the sharpest guys in the industry and um uh they do good work they do good work i can't talk about specifics because um, both teams played hard That's, yeah exactly but but i i will say you know they do good work, and they are uh, they are definitely worth. You know if you're if you're looking at products to be in the conversation. The the to RB's point, you know the one thing that um, that they that they focus on 
is, you know, trying to really push the custom fitting aspect of their product versus off the rack. And that's, that's, that's a unique approach because, um, still so many golf clubs are sold off the rack and off the rack is really dicey because you just, you know, I, I rely on a launch monitor to see where my game is, you know, on like a quarterly basis. And so, um, you know, for the average consumer without knowing your numbers and then knowing what those numbers mean and what those numbers mean in regard to, you know, sorting through equipment, that's a, that's a tall order for most golfers. And so their path, um, of, you know, making sure you're fit and then you're fit into the right product, I think, um, really, uh, encourages greater customer satisfaction at the end of the day. And the other thing that I think is really cool about it is like, there's no women's line, right? Like, you know, I'll kind of touch on, again, if you're curious, Zexio and Zexio, which you talked about, you can go check it out on the website. We'll have a I did a, I did a what things you need to know video on our fully equipped Instagram. So you can go check that out and there'll be one for Zexio as well. But the one thing that I do appreciate with PXG is they don't do like, Oh, this is the women's club. It's like, no, no, no. Like they're monotone golf clubs. They're just black and gray, which is cool. Um, and you get the right shaft in there and you get the right loft in there and you get the right center gravity and you make them the right length and they're, they're fit for everybody. There's no, and they, they've been like that from the start, which I think, you know, everyone, everyone kind of takes a dump on Bob sometimes where it's like, you know, Bob's just mainly man and, you know, bird, whatever, you know, that's Bob does the commercial stuff, right? Keep going, I, tried, I didn't even, I couldn't even like, you're Bob, your Bob impression. Keep going. Yeah. But like he has said, like they, they have, they, they, I, I always give them credit and I always try and mention this because I think it is important when people like kind of stereotype the brand is that they support NCAA men's and women's programs equally. They offer for custom sure. fitting for men's and women equally. And you know, you don't get that. You get that for most brands. Like, let's be really frank with that, but not everybody. And PXG does that. You get that with Gen 6, just like everything else. And I think that's why, well, that's where they stand out from, a, again, to your point, Gene, custom fitting for everybody makes a difference. If you ever get something that you probably didn't like, it's probably because you weren't fit for it or you bought it blind or, you know, you tried it because your friend had it and you just bought the same thing and you realized it wasn't the right fit. So all of those things combined, all of those factors, again, I do think this is just, it's a, there's a lot of options out there for golfers. And I think this is one that people need to look at. And the cool thing I really like is there's a two wood in the O three eleven, which uh, I have been thoroughly enjoying lofted down off the tee. Well, I, I, I agree with that. point. I agree with that point a hundred percent. And you know, it's, um, it's one of my pet peeves. The golf ball doesn't care whether you have ovaries or not. It really doesn't. I mean, it, it the golf ball is all about, velocity in and velocity out and you know you can be an 18 year old uh woman that you know swings 104 miles an hour or you can be a 65 year old woman that swings 85 miles an hour and there's there's you know there's a male equivalent of that so the golf ball does not care about that and their you know kind of gender neutral approach i think is 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 really you know forward thinking and i think you know the whole reason behind women's equipment and the, and and the differentiation was 
you know, when golf was really kind of starting to take off in the 50s and 60s and women started participating, they were getting hand-me-downs from men and they were getting, you know, basically steel shafts and these these clubs that didn't work. So, but the line always went more towards cosmetics than performance um, because we didn't have a lot of the metrics that we have now, launch monitors and data. Now that we have data, who cares, you know, what your gender is? All we care about is how fast you're swinging and how to optimize your conditions. And so from that perspective, yeah, I, I agree completely with them. Yep. It's a good place to end it for this week's episode. Episode 182, Fully Equipped. We made it through an episode and we're still friends. That's a win. Works for me. All right. Yep. It works for everybody. Me too. All right, if you want more gear news, check out the social handles at fully underscore equipped on Twitter, at fully equipped golf on Instagram. Thanks as all for listening.